Well, good morning. So we are getting ready to embark on the study of Psalms. So I thought I would tell you about the very first time I studied the Psalms. So I was a young believer, and I was in college at the University of Colorado. Um, I didn't know a whole lot about scripture, but I knew I loved Jesus, and I wanted to serve him, and I wanted him to have my life. And so I was also a young life leader, which is just working with high school students and loving them and introducing them to Jesus. The staff member over our Young Life volunteers was this amazing woman who I was just so drawn to and I wanted to like spend any time I could with her. And she invited me to a Bible study to study the Psalms. And not only that, but we went to this amazing park in Boulder, Colorado called Chautauqua Park. And it's this gorgeous park with the flat irons in the background. And we found this awesome tree on this beautiful, soft Colorado grass, which is nothing like Texas grass. It's awesome. And we had this blanket out, and we sat down, and we opened our Bibles together. So legit, this is the backdrop that I first studied the Psalms at. Seriously. Right? Okay, and I asked Jesus if he could do that for us this time, and he said no. But I did ask, okay? (laughs) But here's the thing I have to tell you about that. As we sat there on the grass and as I had my Bible open and I listened intently to her, I was bored. I was so confused and it didn't make any sense to me and the Psalms felt really old and distant and I don't know why all that happened but I didn't even finish the Bible study. I didn't even go back to that place because I just didn't get it. And that makes me so sad because that was like 25 years ago and I kind of put the Psalms away for many, many years and I missed out. I missed out because I didn't get what I was actually reading. And so what I want to do for us today is I want to help you not confront some of the same roadblocks that I confronted. Because see, the whole problem with all of that is since I was super young in my faith, I didn't understand that there's different kinds of literature that put together our Bible. So I didn't know the kind of literature that I was reading. And so I tried to read it just like I had read all the other scriptures I was reading and studying. I was reading it like one of the New Testament letters, looking for these exhortations to tell me how to live. And then the other thing that was a huge roadblock for me is that I had poetry baggage. So I don't know about you, but in high school, in English lit class, I was the girl that sat next to all the other girls that just seemed to get it, right? And they're raising hands, this is what this means to me, and here's this beautiful poem I wrote, and I'm literally screaming in my mind, can I just go back to the math class? Because there's one right answer in math, and I don't get poetry. So I have poetry baggage that I came into the Psalms with. So I'm hopeful that I can help us leave some of these bags to the side, because guess what? The Psalms are, in fact, poetry. Some of you are thrilled about that. You were the girls that sat next to me in English Lit class, and I have forgiven you. (laughs) Some of you, though, are a little nervous about that. And I just want to say, we need to think of it a little differently, because this is not the type of poetry 
that has these elusive, hidden, locked up meetings that we'll never really get, or that means something different to every single one of us. No, there's actually truth in it. And it's actually really easy to find because we have the Holy Spirit as our guide leading us. And this poetry is actually more songs of praise. Israel's hymn book, as Tiffany was talking about before. So that's my goal and objective this morning, is for us to really understand what it is we're getting into so that we can enjoy this journey in the study of Psalms. Because I'll tell you, I started to pick up the Psalms a few years ago, and I was so sad that I had left them behind for so many years because they started to give words to my prayer language. They started to help me understand that God is totally good with all the emotions because they're all in there. So that's what I want for you this morning. Well, to do that, I wanna ask you to turn to your book. Um, She has our book labeled as Lesson 1-1, and on there are five questions that we're gonna go through together. I love that our author starts the book this way, because if you've been here any time we've started any other book studies, I like to do something called the ABCs of the book, which is the author, the background, and the context or the content of the book. And it's really important that we understand all of these things so that we know what we're reading and we can enter into it appropriately. So let's dive in and let's answer these questions together. So the first question is, is who wrote the book of Psalms? Well, the short answer to that is many people. There are multiple authors for the book of Psalms, but the primary author is David, King David. Now, we believe that he wrote probably at least 73 of the 150 Psalms in the book. But his son, King Solomon, also wrote some. Then there are also numerous other authors that you don't know their names, and so I'm not going to share them with you, although you'll see them as you go through the Psalms. But there's multiple authors And then Moses is also the author of one of the Psalms. In fact, he wrote the very earliest Psalm. So that leads us to our next question. When was it written? Well, as I just told you, Moses was the very first author. So we date that Psalm around 1400 BC. And then there's at least one Psalm that we can clearly date to around or after the exile of the Jewish people into Babylon which dates at around 538 BC. So if you're really quick with numbers, this is not for the poetry girls out there, that leads us to about 900 to 1,000 years that these psalms were written over. Okay, can we just pause and be astonished by that for a minute? A 1,000 years it took to compile and collect all of these different psalms through the ages, and God preserved those for us. We are reading some words that are some, what is that, 3,500 years old? That's amazing. And God protected and preserved those words so that we could read them even in the next few days. So to whom was it written? Well, the very short answer to that is God's people, which means it was also written to you. But the nation of Israel is the primary audience for the book of Psalms. In fact, they're considered Israel's hymn book, which means that they were used in public worship. They're the prayers, the praises, and the petition of God's people sung in public gatherings. You know what I love about this is that Jesus, 
sang these psalms. Jesus was taught these words when he was a little child by Mary and then by the whole community around him. And when he went into the synagogue to worship, these are the words that Jesus used. And I love that. And I also love that one of the last things he did with his disciples on the night he was betrayed, when he gathered them together at the Passover meal, we know that the liturgy of the Passover meal is to do these different elements and to sing a psalm, and to do another element and sing a psalm. And the last thing that he does with his disciples, or one of the last things that they do in the upper room, is they sing a psalm together. And tradition tells us that that would have been Psalm 118, that this is one of the last communal activities that he did with his disciples. And I think that's really special. Okay, so in what style was it written? This is a super important question for us to answer. And if I had known the answer to this when I first started reading the Psalms, it would have saved me a lot of trouble and a lot of heartache. So the first thing that you need to know, which I already told you about, is that there are different genres of literature that compile the Bible. So let me give you an example. If I pull a book off my shelf and it's a science fiction book, and I try to read it as a history book, we're gonna have some serious problems, aren't we? Not to mention the fact that I'm gonna to be totally embarrassed when I come and I tell you all the crazy new things that are happening in the world. So we need to understand the genre of literature that this is written in. Now, a lot of literature in scripture we read in a literal way. So Genesis is history. We read that literally. We believe that that is how God created the earth. It's the beginning of the story of man. In the Gospels, it's the story of Jesus, and we believe that it is literal. Those are the words he spoke. In the, the epistles, the letters that are written to us in the New Testament, those are exhortations to us that we take literally. But the Psalms are poetry, and we cannot read them literally. Poetry is different. Nancy Guthrie, who's a theologian and an author, was writing about the Psalms, and she says this, poetry is addressed to the mind through the heart. I love that. And it engages us differently from a straightforward statement of fact or imperative, and sometimes leaves matters ambiguous. Poetry can involve hyperbole, exaggeration, and imagery that we should not try to read in a strictly literal sense. Okay, so I want to give you a few examples of this. So in Psalm 1, we read that people are like tree, trees planted by streams. In Psalm 114, we read that mountains skip like lambs. In Psalm 119, God's word becomes a lamp. And in Psalm 59, an enemy spews sharp swords from their lips. Okay, we know that that is not literal, right? But doesn't that paint such a beautiful picture for us of what it is like to hear harsh, cutting words from somebody who is an enemy, that they spew sharp swords from their lips? I also want to tell you that that's really hard to say three times fast. But this is what we need to consider, is when a metaphor is being used and what it means. Poetry, though, as Nancy Guthrie said, is to address the mind through the heart. And so there's a lot of emotion that's addressed 
in the Psalms, and they evoke feeling. And so when we just look for true false propositional statements in the Psalms, it's going to be hard for us because we're not going to find them there. That does not mean there isn't deep truth in the Psalms, because there is. So I want to read with you a little bit of Psalm 1. Now this is where you're going to start your study tomorrow, hopefully. And, um, and so I want to just read these first three verses of Psalm to you so that you can maybe start to understand what I'm talking about. So Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. I think you probably are all drawn to different truths in there. Basically, what I want you to be drawn to this morning, though, is that blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. And the law of the Lord is simply another way of saying these scriptures that we, we take delight in them and we meditate on them day and night. And that is what you have come to do. You have come to read God's scriptures with your sisters, to think about them. And the result that it yields is it makes us firmly grounded. So when the storms come, when the dry seasons come, we become like these trees where we are not shaken and where we still bear fruit because we have done the hard work through the years, through the days, through the seasons to know God's word. See, there's deep truth in that psalm, isn't there? And so that's what we're in for this morning or this, this semester. Okay, so let's move on to the next question. What are the different themes in the Psalms? I think she asks it, what are the central themes of the Psalms? So the central themes of the Psalms, there are many themes, but the most central theme of the song, Psalms is Jesus. And we will find Jesus in the Psalms because he finds himself in the Psalms. Let me give you two examples. In Luke 24, 27, this is after Jesus is resurrected and two men are walking along and they are confused by the events and wondering what happens. And Jesus shows up and they don't know who Jesus is. And he does this. It says, beginning with Moses, which is Genesis and all the beginning of scripture and all the prophets through the middle, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning him in all the scriptures. And then later that day, he appeared to some other disciples who were confused by his death and resurrection. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. He specifically mentions he is written about in the Psalms. And there are multiple Psalms about Jesus that predict things about his life, his death, his resurrection, and they are all fulfilled in him. The Psalms point to Jesus. And until we find Jesus in our study of the Psalms, we have missed the point. So one of the central themes of the Psalms is Jesus. 
Now, there are lots of other themes in the Psalms that, depending on the different theologians that you um, will read about, they categorize the Psalms into all kinds of different ways. And some say there's seven categories, some say there's more. So let me just tell you a few of them. So first, there are hymns. There's also community lament, where, where the whole community would come together and do this corporate lament. But then there's personal laments that we'll read where, where one person is crying out to God, lamenting. There's royal psalms, so psalms about the kings. There's wisdom psalms. There's, there's psalms that are just about trust. And then there's the messianic psalms, so psalms that are about Jesus. Now, that's a lot of categories. And I think for our purposes, it's probably better to narrow it down into three categories, which are psalms of praise, psalms of petition, and psalms of lament. So psalms of praise, praising and honoring God for who he is. Psalms of petition, which is where we're asking God for something. And then psalms of lament, just crying out to God in our deep anguish for what is. But I love how one study Bible sums it up. And it says this, that the dominant message in the book of the Psalms is twofold. One, God is good. And two, life is difficult. The life of faith is lived between these two realities. Isn't that so true? God is good. Oh, but life is difficult. And our faith is found somewhere in between those two. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to make space to daily sit and read these psalms and let this study guide be a guide for us. So I don't know if you've flipped through this guide yet or not, but you'll notice that it is a five-day format. So every day, you get the opportunity to read one psalm a day for five days, taking two days off for the weekend. And we will read a different psalm every day. And so I want to encourage you to make space every day to read these psalms. Now, I timed out my lessons, and Tiffany did as well, and we found that it takes about 10 to 20 minutes to read the psalm. The psalms are usually pretty short and to answer all of the questions. 10 to 20 minutes, okay? That's not a ton of time. So here's my ask of you. Can you find 30 minutes a day to do this? 30 minutes to set aside to be with Jesus at some point in your day, preferably a consistent time. Because if you're anything like me, just trying to find the time as I move through the day isn't going to happen. I have to be intentional to set it aside at the beginning of the day or know where I'm finding it. But here's why I think 30 minutes, 10 to 20 minutes to read the psalm, to do the questions, and then time to reflect and respond to God, time to pray, time to pray for your sisters around the table and for yourself. And I think if we do that, God is going to do some amazing things in our lives. You cannot cram this five days of lessons into one day. I mean, okay, I'm not going to say you can't, right? It's not going to be wise <laughs> because we're doing a different Psalm every day. 
and you would, you would literally be just drinking from the fire hose trying to cram all five into one day. And so I really want to encourage you, set aside the time daily. Now, I get it, right? You set aside this time, and then perhaps that day you, you get up early, if that's what you're doing, and, and the water pipe busts, and the dog throws up, and the kids throw up, and the husband throws Like, there's a thousand things that can go wrong and are going to try to impede that time, right? Can I get an amen? <laughs> this is life, and so it's going to happen. You'll set aside that time, and something will try to take it away from you. And sometimes it will happen that you will not be able to do it. So here's my other encouragement for you. Just do the next day when you can do it. Don't try to cram it all in. Because what I want you to do is sit in each psalm and let God teach you from those psalms as much as you can. Um, Another thing about our study guide that I want to tell you about is our author... Her name is Chris Murphy. She's actually a local woman. She goes, um, lives in Flower Mound, goes to Rock Point Church. So something I love about that is that we get to celebrate one of our sisters who is a gifted teacher and writer. And this is part of the church, right? She goes to a different church, but we are part of the church. And that's awesome. So I love that we're getting to do that. One of the things that she has done, though, in this study guide is she set up some appendixes in the back. So on day five of your lesson, she will lead you. So yeah, I'll show you because you're kind of flipping there. So if you turn to page 2-10, God reveals, we respond. She ends each day this way, asking, what has God revealed to you and how are you responding to him? So on day five, though, she says, go to the appendix and complete the my psalm for lesson two. So you'll flip to the back and you'll find that appendix. And she's going to use Psalm 119 as a guide and going to help us write our own psalm. Okay, so some of you think, heck no, I'm not writing my own psalm. (laughs) That's what I would have said. But I did it, and it was actually really not very hard. And so I just want to encourage you guys, don't skip this. Because I think it's going to be a really beautiful snapshot of what God has taught us as we've moved through this semester. So that's one of the appendix that you'll find in the back, and you'll, she'll guide you there um, each day. Well, before uh, we go into our small group time, and, um, and Lauren's going to come up in just a minute, and she's going to walk us through, through our group guidelines before we do that, I just want to pray over us, and I want to ask God to do exactly what Chris has set up in this study, to reveal to us what he wants for us and let us to respond to him. So can I pray for us? Would you join me in doing that? So Lord Jesus, we come to you right now as your women. And I pray that um, as we embark on the Psalms, that you would let them, these prayers, these hymns, written by people that have have been lived thousands of years before us, taken journeys that that we are unfamiliar with, Lord, but, but whose experiences are similar to ours. So we ask that you would let these words become our words, that you would let their prayers and their praises and even their laments become ours. Lord, that we may pray them back to you, that they would lead us deeper into relationship with you. And Lord, I pray that as we open your word, that your Holy Spirit would teach us and that you would, you would come in and you would open our heart and our mind to the deep truths that you have for us through the Psalms. 
this beautiful book that you have compiled for us through the centuries and preserved for us so that we can gather together as your women here in Irving, Texas to read, to pray, to worship, to learn. So Lord, I I pray that as each woman considers where she can find that 30 minutes a day, Lord, that you would give her creativity on where that space is in her life and that you would give her consistency and that you would give her diligence, Lord, that you would help her do everything she can to guard that time, to not let things take over, things that so often we just don't need to spend our time on. I know I am so guilty of letting Facebook or whatever just intrude upon my time. And Lord, I know I speak for every woman in this room. We want to choose what's best. We want to choose you. And so would you help us, Lord, do that? Lord, I ask that you would go before us and that you would guide and you would lead and that you would reveal and you would help us respond to you. Lord, we thank you in advance for all the work you're going to do. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.